Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. My name is Max Brecky. I'm a managing editor at Blackheart Gold Pants. Along with me today is Ben Ross, also the managing editor of Blackheart Gold Pants. Ben, how are you doing? Pretty good, Max. How are you doing? A couple of managing editors right here on a podcast talking about my third favorite thing in life, the Iowa Hawkeyes. What are numbers one and two? Beer and sleep. <laughs> Those are both fair options. I would not disagree with you there. Mm. Um we got a packed episode for you today. We got some bull talk. We have AJ Black from BC Interruption here to join us. He's going to talk some Boston College with us, talk some uh, Steve Adazio, some AJ Dillon, their star running back. But before that, let's talk about some Iowa Bull stuff. Um, let's lead it off with Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson has announced he's definitely playing in the ball game. It didn't really, it didn't really occur to me that that might be something he might not do, but. He said he's going to do it, and then he's going to announce his uh, decision afterwards. He says he's 50-50 for it. Ben, your thoughts on that? Just kind of, did you think that was going to happen? No, you had informed me just before this podcast that Jackson announced he was playing, and I honestly never thought that was up for debate. It never crossed my mind that Jackson wasn't going to play. Um, Would he, if you know, I just, not only is it the way I think Jackson is a player, I just think it's, I think Kirk Ferentz would have a conniption if one of his players decided to sit out the bowl game uh, in order to keep his draft stock high. I couldn't necessarily fault him for it, but I just think the way that this program is run, it's so ingrained team first, not me first, that I don't think we'll ever see the day uh, where we have a player keep himself out of the bowl simply because of draft position. If that ever happened, however, that means we'd have ourselves one hell of a player on our hands, but clearly we already do with Jackson. So to me, this is all a moot point. And going back to his draft status, I think we all knew that he'd announce his plans uh, for the draft following the bowl game. And uh, I think we I'd be pretty surprised if you didn't ask my opinion, but I'd be pretty surprised if he stuck around for a senior year, seeing what happened to Desmond King just a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, Des King's stock really dropped off last season after he returned. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't come back. He said he's 50-50. Um, so, I mean, it's a yes or no, you know, coin flip kind of thing going on here. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't come back. I think that he might, you know, if he's getting pressure to graduate from, you know, maybe his family. Maybe. But, but outside of that, you know, he's got a really good future. He's got a great build for, you know, an NFL defensive back. And I think that, you know, he's going to be solid at the next level. And I don't think he should pass up that opportunity, especially while his stock is so high. I think I saw Mel Kuyper had him at number 23 in the first round last week. And I don't think Desmond King was ever – projected even generously as a first round draft pick going after his junior year was that it was he, i always thought second or third round was always his highest uh, yeah i projection. think i think maybe he, some people might have had him as a late first rounder but for the most part i think that the consensus was he was probably going to be somewhere in the second round yeah i think i remember i think i remember seeing one uh draft pick one one draft 
a, pro- a pro- project for King where he went 32nd to New England to so the last pick of the first round. But I mean, 23 is that's a whole lot of money. Pick number three, 23, that's millionaire money right away. Um, pretty, pretty tough for a 20, 21 year old kid to say no to that. And I don't think anybody can or should fault him for going to the NFL if he chooses to do so. No, definitely not. Um, looking at some other stuff, uh, for the Iowa heading up to this bowl game, this is probably going to be our last episode before that bowl game. So, um, but what was it? I was going to say something about the depth chart. Oh, Miles Taylor is supposed to be starting over Amani Hooker, uh, which mm-hmm. leads me to believe that Amani Hooker is not healthy. But I also saw on Twitter, I think it was uh, Courtney Bowman from, I think she writes for the Iron Army. Daily Iowan. Is she is she still the Daily Iowan right now? I know yeah, she just yeah, graduated. Yeah. I think she's a senior. Um, she yeah, she just graduated, but. Uh, she said that he hopped across the stage on one leg and he did not put any weight on it. Miles Taylor did uh, while oh. he walked across the stage. So, like Miles uh, Taylor or Hooker? That, was that? Hooker or Taylor didn't put any weight was, on his leg. That was Taylor. Taylor walking at graduation. Huh. Uh, but so he's a, he's apparently number one in the death chart. The bowl game is a week away. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. I don't have, I don't know what that says about Hooker's injury situation right now, or maybe you know Taylor is just kind of maybe faking the injury. So for any scouts that might be at the graduation, I don't really know what that situation's about. But it doesn't sound great for uh, Iowa's strong safety position, you know, prospects heading into this bowl game if their starting safeties hobbling around on one leg. Yeah, and that also tells me something else. Uh, Phil Parker and Brian Ferentz both addressed the media yesterday, and I was reading their pressers earlier today, and Parker admitted, or he, uh, more in fewer words, said that Iowa is toying with some new personnel formations uh, for playing spread teams because, Ooh. as we all know, we, we play, Iowa plays at 4-3 98% of the time. And yeah. they were looking at... Um, playing a you know a four down lineman still but moving an outside linebacker and putting in a safety or a nickel type player um i don't think we'd see that much against boston college simply because of the way boston college is but looking at next year's schedule i mean wisconsin is really the only team i will play as it runs a traditional um nfl uh offense so well, we're seeing some change. I don't think we'll necessarily see in the ball. We did see it a little bit, honestly, against Florida. I remember seeing um, Aaron Menz. <laughs> he played in the Florida game against yeah. in the Outback Bowl last year more than he played all of this year and all of last year, maybe even combined. Um, and he's a, he's a bit more of a hybrid-type linebacker. Again, I don't think we'll see that much against Boston College, but if nothing else, at least our defense is open to changing its identity a little bit. Um even though defense hasn't really ever been the problem uh, yeah, yeah. at Iowa. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting thought that they might be trying to you know change things up a little bit more and try some different looks uh, next year because last year, you know, they did the Raider on occasion. The Raiders mm-hmm. seemed to work well when they did it. They completely abandoned it this year. They made, might have done it one or two times, and the one time I could think of, they got absolutely torched. Um, but, yeah, you know, the – trying new things you know so they've shown willingness to kind of do it in a way and you know then they went away from it this year but it's an interesting thought that maybe you know they might leave their traditional defense more next year than uh this year 
Uh, let's see. Looking at the depth chart, the only other difference uh, that from the, uh, heading into the Nebraska game to this week, it looks like, would be Matt Hankins is now your starter at right corner. Uh, Rogumba's yeah. second string. Ojemudi is second in behind Jackson. So Hankins, after he had a pretty solid game against Nebraska, he did. He showed you know a lot more than uh, you know Rogumba and Ojemudia had showed the previous couple of games, particularly against Purdue. Um, but you know that maybe that shows that they really have faith in him, and that you know he really has been showing off in practice lately. Yeah, I think. Uh... Matt Hankins won the Spring Football Player of the Year award this year, and very rarely does that show up in results. I remember Nico Wah was that player. I remember um, – oh, got another safety right now. Is actually coaching the 49ers organization. I can't remember his name. Um, he won that award one t- a few years ago. Um, but now Hankins has been a, ple- a pleasant surprise. Meanwhile, at the same time, I think Manny Ragumba, for me at least, has been one of the biggest disappointments for this Iowa football team this year, especially. I mean, he was a savior of the Michigan game but, uh, back in 2016 and that big upset. But when you look back at that tape, I mean, he was gift-wrapped, uh, that interception that sealed the deal. So maybe anybody could have made that play. But uh, we've seen Ragumba burned many a time this year. I had really high expectations for him, to, especially opposite a guy like Jackson where um, Jackson could take some pressure off him. But he was he was targeted uh, multiple times, and he did not really perform as expected. But, yeah, other than that, I'm looking at the depth chart as well. Um, Cole Banwert is the backup center behind James Daniels. That's new. Um, yeah, I thought it was uh, – what's his name? That He's a true freshman this year. I think he's redshirting. Or he's obviously redshirting, but uh, Levi Dua. That's right. I, yeah, yeah. I, heard he's, I heard he's getting some run at center as well in bowl practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, other than that, I'm really not seeing yeah, too much. Um, too much of a difference either. We have – um, the uh, the dreaded or between yeah. Cole Rastetter yeah, and Brandon Sandy for the punting situation, and that's sort of like how I would describe this punting situation is or. Um, Matt Vandenberg is back to returning punts full time as he should have been the whole year. Um, and Max Cooper, a true freshman at wide receiver, will be backing him up. He, I mean, I don't expect him to return any punts, but. Um, you know, other than that, I don't expect Iowa to, uh, the, to do too much. Nothing we've seen, nothing we haven't seen at all this year. Um, offensively, maybe, maybe defensively, I don't know. We, we've seen it. You know, Boston College lives and dies by the run, as uh, you'll hear later on in our interview with AJ Black from the Boston College SB Nation site. And uh, Iowa's played plenty of teams this year that live and die by the run. So I don't expect that to ch- that much to change. Um, really, nothing else jumping out at me. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it with the depth chart. Uh, did you have any other thing else that you had wanted to talk about with Iowa heading into this bowl game? No, uh, we could talk. I'm looking at the numbers right now. This is an article from the 14th, and it says Iowa has sold 2,500 tickets. Um, out of 7,500 uh, for the bowl game that were allowed to the university. I don't expect that number to grow. Um, 
much, uh, and I'm not surprised. I uh, I wouldn't want to go to this bowl game um, unless I live driving distance from New York, and even then, it's a tough sell. Um, not only because of the location, I you know I I've only been in New York once in my life. I wouldn't mind going. The cold doesn't bother me. Uh, I've never been to Yankee Stadium, but Boston College is not a team I want to see in person. I have no interest. One of my best friends from high school went to Boston College, and when the gay bowl game was announced, he he tweeted at me that the, the this game will feature bleeding eyes, <laughs> and I, I I don't disagree with him. Um, you know, but. I don't want to sound like a pessimist, but like, you know, I, I looked forward to playing Florida last year. Of course, I looked forward to playing Stanford two years ago in the Rose Bowl. Regardless, just, you know, those games, we could have played them in any type of bowl. I'd still would love to see Stanford, or play, see I would play an SEC team or see, it, see us play a team like Stanford. But Boston College does not move the needle much for me, and I imagine I'm not alone in that field. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Whoa. Whoa, echo. You're good. No, yeah, I just heard myself echo really quick. Uh, in my own ears, that distracted me. Um, I think it's kind of interesting just to see them play somebody different, just because you know they've, you know, they obviously the teams are always changing because you're only in college for right. four years and whatever. But just kind of like seeing Iowa play the same uniforms all the time, it gets a little bit tiring, I guess, to the eyes. Uh, it's you know usually the same coaches are around I guess not so much this past couple of years playing uh, Florida and Stanford but you know it's interesting always to see them play somebody different just because it's kind of I don't know I think it's kind of fun just to be like it's hey look it's BC a team I was never played before uh, yeah, yeah that, I was just, I was gonna mention that that is pretty cool I mean it's pretty rare you do play a team you've never ever played before in the entire history of either program um so that is that is pretty cool uh, I'll, I'll give it that that ha- that has a nice little wow factor to it um but really other than that no yeah, I don't that's, have much that's to say. still not even really a big draw it's just me thinking trying to be pe- opti- optimistic for the first time in my life uh yeah so yeah that's one way to watch that turd not all right, so we're going to get into our interview with AJ Black from BC Interruption right now. We talked, uh, as I said at the, top of, uh, at the top of the show, we talked to Dazio, we talked about their offense, and we talked about how you know their turnaround this season might have saved their uh, saved the Dazio's job or Dazio's job, pardon me, and uh, you know how they actually ha- are excited about this bowl game and the momentum that they can you know kind of bring into next year based off of it. So without further ado. Let's get to the interview. And thank you for tuning in to the Pants Party Podcast. With us now, we have AJ Black from uh, BC Interruption joining us to talk a little bit about the Pinstripe Bowl. AJ, how are you doing today? I'm doing very good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Glad to hear it. Uh, you know what, AJ? I think the consensus around Hawkeye fandom is that we're a little bit disappointed as Iowa fans to be going to the Pinstripe Bowl, not only because we wanted a little bit more than just uh, seven wins on the year. There were some rumors, even on the Iowa ticketing website, that Iowa was in fact going to Nashville for the Music City Bowl. And people have their opinions on Nashville over New York City, certainly uh, Midwest Iowans. 
but over reading your site uh, leading up to the game and when the news was announced, uh, the, the, the feeling around the Boston College fan community was that you guys were uh, pretty thrilled to be playing in New York City, not only because of the proximity from Boston to New York, but also the idea of playing a team like Iowa that sort of matches up well with Boston College. Would you say it's a fair assessment? Yeah, absolutely. I think going into, well, there was, you know, it was a long journey for BC fans this year. Um, BC started off the season kind of playing pretty poorly. Uh, They beat NIU to start the year, and then they had a couple games against Notre Dame and Wake Forest where they played like crap. And then they turned it around at the end. And, you know, the bowl projections were all over the place from BC, for BC. And um, because there was such a, um, you know, st- all the teams that, the you know, that were bowl eligible for the ACC were all very similar in terms of their records that um, the ACC could jump BC for basically any bowl that they wanted to. There, There's the, they call it the BC rule. Um, uh, <laughs> Which is our fans usually don't travel very well, so any any bowl that is within, I think it's one or two games of any other school can jump a school to get to a bowl. And usually, what happens is, especially a lot of the Southern bowls where BC fans don't travel, they'll skip BC to go to you know they'll pick Wake Forest or Florida State. And we were surprised that you know and uh, the the Pinstripe Bowl did not jump us because I mean, we saw, I mean, up until the the bowl selection. We're seeing projections like the Gasparilla Bowl and oh yeah, Petersburg. So when we saw Pinstripe, you know New York City is where a ton of our alumni are at right now. Uh, we we're very excited because the last Pinstripe Bowl we played Penn State in 2014, and even though we lost, it was a huge event for BC fans because we could get a lot of our alumni to that game and we packed out uh, Yankee Stadium. So I think a lot of fans again were excited about this. And you're right, you know Iowa is an intriguing matchup for BC because, you know, the, the style of our schools were both, you know, seen mm-hmm. as, you know, physical, you know, Steve Adazio talks about it all the time, smash mouth football. And I think that, that, um, that profile will, will, will make a good matchup between BC and Iowa. Yeah. This game should feature, you know, a bunch of guys being dudes to quote your coach. Sorry to put that in there. You're probably sick of that. Yep. Uh, how long, about how long is the drive from Boston to New, uh, New York? It's about four and a half to five hours. Um, so it's a yeah. nice little day trip even uh, if somebody really was that committed. Yeah. I, I think a lot of our fans, most of the guys on our site are going to go. Unfortunately, I can't. It's my wife's birthday, so I won't be able to make mm-hmm. it, but I'll be watching on TV. Um, but I know a lot of people went last time and had a really good time. Now I can understand why Iowa fans wouldn't be happy about this. Um, it's not a warm climate game. It, I mean, you're from Iowa, so you're right. We're used to cold, but I'm sure you want to go to a, a, a warmer climate, but it's still a pretty cool experience. Um, and, and it's a fun game and a unique, uh, and a, a unique venue that I think a lot of fans might like. Yeah. On top of that, you know, it's just, the entire idea. I think that, I don't think that this game is going to be very well attended by Iowa fans. There are, you know, a fair amount of them in the New York city area. Uh, you know, it's just a major city. So, you know, a lot of alumni from big 10 schools end up in that area as well, but it's just, it doesn't seem like it's really going to be a game that people want to go to. People don't really want to travel. Iowans think that New York city is the worst thing of all time. Des Moines is a very perfectly sized city. Um, <laughs> 
but <laughs> I wouldn't expect to be a lot of there to be a lot of Iowa fans. You know, I'm I'm sure that you said that uh, you just said that Boston College the last time they went they you know they stormed the place, and I, I'm sure that's probably what's going to happen again. Yeah, well, you know, to be fair, we did have a ton of fans there last time, but it was also kind of in between Penn State and BC. Um, and Penn, you know, it's that's it's fair. a little bit more. It's a little bit more of a hike for Penn State, but still, there's a ton of their alumni around as well. So it was two fan bases that were very uh, close to where the game was going to be. But I, I can understand. I don't think I don't think BC has enough um, fans to fill out an entire stadium at Yankee Stadium. But we'll see. When I checked this morning, Iowa had sold it seemed just over a thousand of its allotment of tickets. Um, do you know? Do you have an idea what the number is for Boston College? I don't have a number off the top of my head. I've seen the ticketing department say uh, that um, all of the BC luxury boxes have sold and uh, field level. There were at least two levels that BC had for their tickets that were completely sold out. Yeah, uh, I just don't think – I was pretty notorious for traveling well to bowl games, um, even the Outback Bowl. uh, We we filled up pretty good in Tampa, but – there's just a lot of apathy around this Iowa football program, whereas I think the opposite can be said. I don't think it's unfair to say Steve Adazio was on a hot seat going into this year, and yeah. he especially he could garner back-to-back wall wins. Um, I think he, I don't know what his contract situation is, but I think he certainly bought himself a little bit more time with uh, another seven and six season and uh, getting an eighth win for that Boston College program not to – uh, demean your program would be pretty pretty good. What do you um, what do you envision for the future of this Boston College team, and what where does the Pinstripe Bowl this year sort of uh, lay into those plans? So I can kind of just give you a, a little bit of an overview this, of this year specifically what the fans have felt about Adazio. It's, it's actually kind of a really funny story. So the year, as I said earlier, it started off real slow. Like BC mm-hmm. was, we had a freshman quarterback that wasn't moving the ball. Um, we were getting blown out. Uh, we, we lost to Wake Forest and, and um, Notre Dame by, you know, like 40 to 10 and then like 38 to 15 or something like that. It was, it were, they were not, not very close games. And we finally had a game. It was in early October against Virginia Tech and BC looked like crap. They weren't doing anything on offense and Adazio, in his press conference, he had this infamous line. You'll see it all over our blog. He he got on the sta- he got on the podium and he said, "It's gonna come together, guys, and it's gonna be beautiful." And <laughs> I, I I have been ripping Daz for years. I don't like him as a coach, and so I I went with it. You know, I thought it was the funniest thing. I'm like, oh, look, he's so stupid. Next week, literally the next week, BC went out against Louisville and put up like 49 points. And I was like, what the hell? Maybe that was just a fluke. Mm-hmm. And then they did it again the week after that. And then the week after that, and I was like, holy crap, Daz might be onto something here. You know, I, I never believed that he would able be able to put any sort of legitimate offense on the field. Um, he just has never been able to do that. He he, he gets like a flash, you know, like a like an Andre Williams or a Tyler Murphy who was our quarterback in 2014. And he's able to do things like that, but We've had two seasons in a row where BC's offense has been like crap. And then all of a sudden, the last, I think it was like six or seven games, BC's averaging against ACC opponents like 40 points a game. It was like, 
It was crazy. I, and I had to, I had to eat my words on that one. Cause I was, mm-hmm. I wrote September as t- saying that he needed to be fired before the next game. And it, it kind of <laughs> really? on. Oh, Oh yeah. I was, I was uh, beating the, the, the drum for that for a while. Um, but he's got me believing. I don't know. I don't know. Like he's got a new offensive system this year and he's got a quarterback. You won't see him because he, our starting quarterback blew his knee out um, in NC State in November. But they got a backup quarterback who's an older um, – he's a grad student, Darius Wade, who's starting to put things together and a running back in A.J. Dillon who is like one of – probably the best running uh, – other than um, the kid from Wisconsin, he's probably the best um, freshman running back in the country, I think. He's got 1,400 yards, 13 mm-hmm. touchdowns, and all of that was probably in seven games. Um, so I, I don't know what Daz did and, you know, maybe this is going to be the turnaround for him. Um, but he, he definitely started to buy, uh, get the fans to buy in more because the fans by, by October were done with him. They were just, you know, not coming to games anymore. And they were, you know, like me where I call for him to be fired. And by the end of the season, it was a totally different situation. So you know, as much as I don't like him and I was hoping, you know, I was hoping the, the um, uh, blanking on his name, the offensive coordinator from Penn State, I was hoping oh, he'd be. Yeah, I was hoping he was going to be BC's next head coach. You know what, though? Uh, I, Daz earned another year and uh, I'll be happy to see him come back. Um, I think fans are looking forward to that. They got they, they got that kid Dylan and they're going to have their quarterback back next year. And they what's more exciting is, you know, Daz is a – a um, offensive line coach. He was for, you know, Urban Meyer in Florida. Oh, your That's- head coach is an offensive line coach. Never heard of that before. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably why he likes Perrin so much. He was talking about him all during his press conference. Um, but, you know, we have five, six or seven returning offensive linemen. They had a couple guys go down, but they're all guys with experience. We had our all ACC uh, center go down. He's coming back next year, so they're going to have an offensive line next year. It's going to be stellar with that running back coming back. So, I th- what the hope for BC fans is that a win over Iowa would be a, you know a stepping stone into a, a big year next year. Hopefully, being ranked and maybe even competing in the ACC Atlantic. So uh, you said something about the offense, kind of his, him having a new offensive uh, style this season. Uh, yep. like what? How? How does that look? How does? What is the offense that they kind of play now? Because I know that before it was pretty much just a very vanilla um, yep. Iowa style offense. You know, for all practical purposes, is it about the same with a few new wrinkles, or what does that look like? Yeah, so that's a good question. So, again, one of my my big things. It's funny. Um, <laughs> I've heard from people that Daz hates me personally, which is really <laughs> funny. Uh, he he referred to me. I heard it. I practice as that M- mother effer from BC interruption. Um, That's but, lovely. Uh, so he, one of the things I used to say about him and joke was he, pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock. And it would be predictable. It'd be run, run, pass, punt, run, run, pass, punt, run, run, pass, punt. And what he did this year that was very different, it didn't work at first, but when they started to click, it really started to pick up was they started moving tempo. Um, they, they, you know, they, you know, move to the, the line of scrimmage, you know, make audibles at the line. Um, and once they started to really get that running game going, they can move the ball through the air as well. So I think what the big difference where BC was, was that, you know, instead of these slow plotting drives that you prayed they would score, they would be moving the ball faster 
and, and actually getting up and down the field and gassing defenses so that they could get points. Uh, I mean, you were with the whole pound the rock thing and with the whole punt, run run punt thing. That was really that was really appealing to me for a moment. Just yeah. thinking about thinking about <laughs> Iowa, but I'm talking about thinking of the meme with Spider Man <laughs> pointing at each other. I know, right? That's all this is right now to me. But then you said up tempo and up tempo. That's never something that I was going to ever do. They, yeah. if they go no huddle, they're still going to eat the entire clock. They're just going to mm-hmm. get up the line and stand there for about thirty seconds. Tell yep. me, how's your, how's your punter situation? Is it good? Um, we have this kid, Mike Knoll. He's up and down. He's a senior. Okay. He he's due for a um. He, he needs a, a redemption at the Pinstripe Bowl. His freshman year was the first year at um when they played Penn state and he missed the extra point in, in overtime by about 20 Ooh. yards. Ooh. It was, yeah, I was in Colorado watching that game. And the minute the, the, we had issues with kicking that whole year. The, the minute that ball went off his foot, I was like, Holy shit. That's going 10 yards to the left. <laughs> and then Penn state scored the next drive. And it, I, it was terrible. So that he's not the kicker anymore. He's the punter. Um, but he's not bad. He has his moments, um, but he's not anything spectacular. We had to ask. We're, we're big punting yeah. guys here on the back. <laughs> enthusiasts. We, we, enthusiasts. we <laughs> held about for every week for the first seven weeks, we talk about <laughs> punting. We were just like, ah, yes, well, we, we need a new punter. Pull the red shirt on the punter. We, so. we have a segment called Punter Go For It. Maybe you can stick around for it. Uh, <laughs> You talked a lot about the offense. I think some of us want to hear about the defense because, you know, your defensive coordinator, he was a Hawkeye. People forget that. Yep, Jim Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's um, he's had a good year. I, I think they started off – we've had a ton of injuries on the defensive end. Um, we lost our all-ACC uh, linebacker, Connor Strahan, probably before this – I think I don't think he even played this year. Um, and that was a major blow, and that was part of the reason they started off really slow is because teams would just gash them up the middle with huge runs. Um, but we've had a couple freshmen um, jump in. Kevin Bletzer and uh, John Lamont were two linebackers that really jumped up. The name you're going to want to watch for, and I, honestly, I don't even know if he's going to play. Daz was really quiet about him about his press conference yesterday. It was Harold Landry. Uh, he left the country in sacks last year. He's been hurt this year with a foot injury. And I get the sneaking suspicion that he's sitting for for draft purposes. Um, uh, he comes in and out. He plays here and there. But he hasn't um, – you know, he missed the last two games. I don't know if he's going to play. Daz didn't mention anything about him. He would be a really uh, fun player to watch because um, he, he can really cause a lot of damage. He's, I mean, he's projected by a lot of draft analysts to be, a, you know, a top 15 pick. Oh, uh, so he's someone to watch. Um, BC, just like, um, I think both BC and Iowa have the, the nation's leading, uh, interception leader. Yeah. I think you guys, you have Josh Jackson and yeah. Lucas Dennis is on the BC end. He also, I think he's tied for so, uh, seven. Yep. Yep. So Lucas Dennis is really good. Um, I think that's the biggest thing that, uh, Jim Reed has done. We had, um, Don Brown, who's now at uh, Michigan. And there was a big um, decline. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was he he really turned this defense around. But the big difference I've seen with Jim Reed is Don Brown really was a great um, defensive line and linebackers coach. I thought, but his cornerbacks he never really seemed to get them in good positions to make plays. 
Um, I think Reed's done an awesome job, and he's got this kid, Anthony Campanile, who's our defensive back coach, who's going to be, a, uh, I think, a really rising uh, position coach. They've got a, a, a secondary that I think it can rival anyone in the ACC. So they'll be a fun group to watch. Um, and Zach Allen will be the offensive, uh, the defensive lineman you'd want to watch for. He's got a kid that he may get to the NFL in a year or two, um, but he's, he's really stepped it up this year. Yeah, we were, uh, we're, we're Hawkeye fans are pretty concerned about Jim Reed coming back, not only because BC has a really good defense in and of itself this season, but he knows exactly what Ferentz runs. And yep. The fans know what Ferentz is going to run. Well, I can't imagine. Yeah. What <laughs> so that we don't already. And not only that, I think Jim Reed's a really good coach. He was at yeah. Iowa for just two years, I think, and he was a linebacker's coach, and we had Christian Kirksey and Anthony Hitchens, both of whom are playmakers in the NFL right now. So I think, uh, if nothing else, uh, Iowa fans will be you know interested to see somebody who we used to have a vested interest in. He wasn't really at Iowa long enough for us to for Iowa fans really to you know get one opinion or another on him. But mm-hmm. no matter what, I think it'll be interesting. And here we have two of the best, from what it sounds like, corners in terms of just at least takeaways in the nation playing on the opposite side of the field from each other. So basically what I'm asking is, do we see over under 30 combined passes in this game? Uh, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> yeah, I, I want you to tell me a little bit more about A.J. Dillon. Uh, like you said, he sort of came onto the scene late. Didn't I'm looking at his um, – uh, split stats right now, and he didn't he didn't get record um, his first his first 100 yard game until the fourth game the fifth game of the season. Uh, 200, 272 yards and four touchdowns against Louisville, and he's a true freshman. Yes. 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 So, so really, I mean, and you said you've got you know you don't have your starting quarterback. Nothing against Darius Wade, he's but still he's not your starter. Does your offense really start and end with AJ Dillon? You think? I, I think it does because I think what BC has been able to do is to establish his run and make teams um, focus more on him, which allows BC to, to run more play action and some of their – they have some gadget plays that they've been playing a lot. Dylan, if, if you've watched um, – you know, I have, I've seen like the four eight-minute YouTube highlights of him, and man, he is good. Yeah, he you know he's got he's physical, he's quick. I mean, this there's all sorts of highlights of him now. You know, just stiff arming guys off their cleats and things like that. Um, but he reminds he, me of Marcus P- Coker in his prime. Iowa fan, you remember that yep. name? Mm-hmm. Yep, I know him. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, he was a kid that he's a four star running back um, that was committed to Michigan. Really? Up until yeah, he he flipped to BC. He's a local kid. He's from Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Don Brown, Don Brown, the defensive coordinator now for Michigan, has a lot of connections in Connecticut, mm-hmm. and um, he had him c- committed to Michigan. But I think what uh, I think he tore his ACL last year in high school, and Michigan just did, did you know we're like whatever, and BC was like we're going to start you day one, and they put him in. They didn't start him right off the bat, but ended up doing was they, they they put him in and they really kind of eased him in and he's become the feature back you know by week six and he's been the game changer he saved he he definitely state saved steve adazio's job wow 18 year old saving the jobs of head coaches what yep. what a sport <laughs> all right uh we're gonna get you out of here pretty quick unless you have anything else to add but yeah, we're going to uh, talk about in regards to the game aj what was that sorry i couldn't hear you Anything else you want to talk about in regards to the pinstripe ball? No, not really. I enjoy talking to you guys. All right. So then right before we let you go, we're going to get your prediction from you. Who's going to win? Why? Um, 
you know what? Throughout BC's um, run, they they had a run where they had I think five wins in a row. I picked against BC every week, so I'm going to continue <laughs> to do that just to keep the mojo going. I'm going to pick Iowa to win 24-21. Right. Chief doesn't work here. We don't know. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Uh, thanks, AJ. Thank you to AJ for joining us. It was a great interview. A lot of information there. You know, I'm sure that you guys didn't know a lot about Boston College because I know that we didn't know a whole ton about Boston College other than the whole smash mouth football culture that they have there and the fact that Jim Reed is their D. Guys being dudes. Yeah, and guys being dudes. Mm-hmm. But uh, so that was football talk. Let's hit the basketball talk. I always <laughs> won their last game. Uh their last couple of games because they played a game uh, since we recorded last. Uh, they played before uh, Drake. So they're on a two-game winning streak now. Two-game winning streak. That is huge for the Hawkeyes. Uh, we are recording this right before we're playing Iowa play Southern Utah right now. Iowa currently had a 6-6 six and six record. Following Southern Utah, we play Colorado which is perennially a, you know, a pretty decent team in the Pac-12 conference. Um, we're playing that game in South Dakota, right? So yeah. We're playing in Sioux City. Well, do you know that's why? I have Falls. absolutely no idea why. Why is that? I said Sioux Falls, not Sioux City. Yeah, oh, same thing yeah. as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, do you have, like, what? I have absolutely no idea why. Uh, do you? I think that they offered the university's money to play there, I, uh, honestly. Are you serious? Yeah. Or- it's not like... I I have no idea. Wow, that's great. I just oh. said, are you serious? And my Siri just went off. <laughs> um, uh, I yeah, I have. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll, I was. I'm ignorant. I have no idea why that game's being played. And, and as far as I know, it's not like part of a special tournament or anything, is it? No, it's just a one-off game. Uh, they're playing it at the Sanford Pentagon in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, All right. College college basketball, life's rich pageant. Um, let's talk about Drake a little bit. I watched the whole game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a game for the first 10 minutes. It was, you know, a little frustrating to watch Iowa sort of not get beat, but play down to the competition of a team that I don't think started a player above 6'3 or 6'4. Yeah. When we, I mean – all but two of our starters, I think, are far than that. Um, right? I don't know. I think Iowa has like two players total that aren't at least 6'5". Yeah. And also another gripe I have. People, I didn't realize that the these Wells Fargo Hy-Vee Classic games were in jeopardy. I didn't realize people had a gripe against them um, until I, you know, I'd read Land of Ten the next day and another some other sites had it. I had never realized that people, you know, saw it as a lose-lose situation for Iowa. I, I mean, I disagree. There's enough Iowa, There's enough basketball games in a season to go around. We already play enough mid-major, low-level teams to start the season. If we can't play mid-major, low-level teams that are already in state, why not? My biggest gripe is Wells Fargo Arena, all of the red looks like Hilton. Um, and, and uh, I mean, it was empty. Um so on TV, it looked empty yeah, at least. I've heard so, it was I mean, empty for the entire Iowa game until the very end when the Iowa State fans started. To yeah, then the Iowa State fills in, and like 
UNI is a, a well above average mid-major program. So if we get to play, if we have to play Drake every other year to play UNI, which potentially more often than not is probably a, a resume padding team, if we get that win, I really don't see what the big deal is. Um, I mean, is Drake any worse than Southern Utah? Is Drake any worse than Tahiti Tech or whoever we played a couple weeks ago? Um, I really don't see what the big deal is, especially when you get a big in-state sponsor like Hy-Vee footing the bill for a thing like this. It's, um, I think it's people making a mountain out of a molehill. Um, and I didn't even plan on talking about that. I just thought about it. Um, <laughs> going back, Iowa just absolutely outplayed Drake. Um, yeah. we, we shot 55% from the floor, which, uh, I mean – if we could do that all year, great. Let's keep on doing it. But obviously we know that's not going to happen. Drake also shot just just below, just around 33%. Not, not great again. But, um, you know, I think I was finally starting to maybe get it together. Uh, I would have liked to have been here, you know, uh, three weeks ago or the start of the season rather. Um I really like how uh, Nick, Nick Bear has been starting the last couple of games. I understand what he brings to the floor when he off, comes off the bench, but I think he's probably the best vocal leader for this team. And I think he needs to—I think he needs to be part of the starting five, if nothing else, to just help us get off to a fast start. Um, I'm still really, you know, uh, the rest of Iowa's—I'm still a little, you know. Not scared, or, yeah, I'd, I'd say scared, more so than disappointed for Iowa's guard situation. Really, it's Jordan Bohannon, uh, and that's about it. Macy Daly probably had his worst game of the year uh, against Drake. Um, uh, Brady Ellingson did almost nothing, and Connor McCaffrey, he played. He was in the nine trillion club. Yeah, he played <laughs> nine minutes and recorded zero stats. If I'm getting my zeros correct. Um, uh, he, he's probably not quite there yet. We'll probably see a bit more of him tonight. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. But really, uh, Iowa's guard situation is not uh, where you want it to be. There, we really just don't have a slasher. Um, I'm not as concerned. And I mean, that is nothing. And that also leads me to my second point is turnovers. We had 14 turnovers, which is, I think we had 13. Uh, one game earlier in the season and we had 14 in another game. So it's tied for a second of our season low of turnovers. Um, and Drake somehow committed more. They had 19, which is no small part of, um, of, of why Iowa won so handedly. I think uh, a resident basketball nerd, uh, Boiler Hawk, was rewatching the Iowa State tape last night and said, I mean, by every measure, Iowa should have won, beaten Iowa State and Hilton, except for the turnover column, sure. and that's and that's what happens. Um, free throw shooting is something I've always harped on. Ten for fifteen, that's just under sixty-seven percent. That's not great, but it's still uh, still fine. You'd like that to be closer to a hundred, but you can't really expect that. Um, I'm really still really impressed with the play of Luca Garza. I think we he played 17 minutes, 13 points, and seven rebounds. I think he could eventually become um, Adam Woodbury 
I've said this before. Jerry's on the pod. I said it better. Adam Woodbury. And he, he gave me a bunch of crap. But um, I think Garza right now is better than Woodbury was was as a freshman. Uh, Jack Nungy, I was a little disapp- uh, disappointed in him. He had been really impressive, but he, he only played 10 minutes for whatever reason against Drake, despite being the starting lineup. Um, maybe just had himself a, a colder game. Um, Cordell Pemsel, uh came back after fucking seeing his own goddamn ligaments after tearing open his leg. I can't believe it. I don't, I'm not a doctor. I know nothing about anatomy, but if you could see your own muscle tissue and you're playing in a game a week later, I, I'm shocked. I couldn't believe He's that. He's a tough son of a bitch. He played last yeah. year with a, with a hernia injury. Really? I don't remember that. Yeah. Gosh. He, he played part of last year with a hernia injury. Uh, and I mean, then the the fact that the doctor said to break his leg, snap his leg into uh, in high school, and he mm-hmm. came back from that. He's a tough son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler Cook continues to be one of the best players in the Big Ten, probably at forward. He is just a monster. Uh, twenty three points in just twenty six minutes. Um, it's pretty impressive. Uh, Ten for thirteen shooting. Three for three on his free throws, so big men can still shoot. Uh, he's he's. We need to figure out how to get him the ball more because really, uh, I know Iowa historically has maybe been a bit more of uh, run the offense for the guard, but we need to. And I don't think this offense really exists, but running offense through the forwards, getting him the ball is in a position to score as much as we can is just really important if I wants to make any sort of run. Yeah, because I don't see us generating scoring from our guards outside of when Jordan Bohannon was absolutely on fire. He shot three for four. Bohannon did from range, which was pretty good and ended with 15 points against Drake. Um, but again, I think a lot of that is part of the competition, the size and a handful of other factors going on. Um, that's really all I saw from the game. What, uh, what about you, Max? You said you watched it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I watched it until they pu- pulled away, and then after that, I kind of lost yeah. focus on it. But I think that most of most of it was that for once they didn't let a team with smaller guards, you know, run the circles around them. You know, when they've played smaller teams this season, those teams have been able to, you know, use their quick guard play in order to kind of expose Iowa. And Iowa, you know, didn't let that happen against Drake. And, you know, they disrupted them with their size. That's kind of what everybody was assuming would happen all offseason. And I don't think anybody really accounted for the big guys moving around slowly, but they kept guys in front of them for the most part, and they were able to, you know, kind of take advantage of that. They can continue to do that against teams that they're bigger than, you know, for the rest of the season that will really bode well. Um I don't think it's going to happen, you know, as frequently, and they're not going to play teams that are this small for the rest of the season either. You know, they're once, especially once they get into Big Ten play, uh, you know, teams are going to start getting bigger and, you know, have better resources to get, you know, players built, you know, more built up and more, you know, phys- for you know, more ready for physical basketball. But you know, Iowa took advantage of a team that they should have. A team that, you know, played Minnesota closely. They lost to Minnesota by one point in Minneapolis. Uh, we talked about that last week, but, you know, they this isn't a pushover Drake team. This Drake team has had some really close losses, and Iowa blew them out. I think that's the second time Drake's lost by 
20, like more than 20 points a season. Yeah, Drake took Minnesota to the wire. They only beat him by, or Minnesota only beat Drake by a point, right? Um, yeah. A few days before. So I was actually nervous um, because I think Minnesota's probably one of the top three teams in the Big Ten. So I really, really was uh, nervous for this game. But, um, you know, we'll take a 26 point win and um, will it help our RPI? Who knows? Does our RPI even matter at this point? Iowa currently sitting at six and six. Um, probably not. Yeah, it's not likely that it really matters. But you know, if they can just kind of come back and for the rest of the season and play good basketball, that's something to build on for next year. And hopefully next year they'll have you know they'll have a couple more guards next year. Um, it's supposed to be a couple of good ones too, but. You know, maybe maybe next year will be the year, but at this point, this year it's not going to be. It's going to be more about learning and more about you know, kind of developing the game. I think more than anything. Yeah, you know, it is the eighth season of Fran McCaffrey, and I think many of us, myself included, thought this this might be the year where we sniff the Sweet Sixteen. Even obviously, that's not the case, um, and I realize that some of his detractors saying that eight years is more than enough time to turn around a basketball program, but I don't think people quite realize the how bare the cupboard was following the departure of Todd Licklider. He had essentially lit this program on fire, um, and. Fran, all things considered, I think has, besides just being a great ambassador for the university, uh, he's done some pretty remarkable things um, for this team, for this program. And it's just, it's really tough and it's really frustrating to see, to come up in the postseason and have nothing to show for it, come up empty-handed in February and March after having three or four really solid months um, especially when we see the team to the West go and being able to do their thing. But I'm, I have more faith in this Iowa basketball program than I do say the football program um, for long ter- sustained long-term success. And I guess I get though it's apples to oranges, but at least I can feel good about that. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some, you know, we talked about how this basketball season's kind of lost for the men. But the women. Let us talk about our Lady Hawks. Bluters bunch. Are 11 and 1. 11 and 1. Megan Gustafson is legitimate. Nia Smith Player of the Year candidate. She's had, is it seven Big Ten Player of the Week honors in a row or six? Uh, um, she's won it every week. So she's won it every however, single week. However, however many, many weeks there are, she's won it. So 11 and, yeah. Um, I don't know how many weeks. I'm not going to count that. But yeah, I was only lost to number 13 FSU by one point. Um, I'm looking at our schedule right now. We only have two more games against Earth. Oh, never mind. We have three ga- three more games left on the year against a ranked opponent. Uh, we play Iowa right now, sitting at number 25. We play Michigan at home, number 23 on the 31st at uh, number 15 Maryland on January 4th, and. Uh, uh, home against uh, number 12 OSU, Ohio State on the 25th. I mean, Lisa Bluter has been here for, what, almost 20 years now? Yeah, she's um, been here forever. 
she's been here for absolutely forever. Um, this then this could be her best team of all time. Sadly, we did learn that starting guard Tanya Davis is out for the season with a torn ACL. Uh, yeah. This is the sec- second and second time in three years she's torn her ACL. This I believe is the second time in two years she tore her ACL last year. Last year, year? Oh, okay. Tanaya uh, tore her other one. I guess this past game. Oh, it's it's not the same ACL either. No, it's the other one. So that is such a tough break. Yeah. Um, so that's tough. Uh, I'm reading that Iowa, like the men's, like their men's counterpart, is really uh, shorthanded on guards. So yeah, they've, I mean, it's yeah, it's always kind of tough, tougher to tell. And I feel like positions are a little bit more fluid in the women's game, just because uh, they're all about they're not all about the same size. I wouldn't say that's unfair to say, but mm-hmm. um, you know, they all are smaller, with the exception of Gustafson in the post, Gustafson mm-hmm. and. Uh, I can't think of her name off the top of my head. Uh, Chase Coley. They're all, you know, yeah, yeah. but Gustafson has been an absolute monster. It's going to losing Tanaya Davis is going to stink. She's leading the team in assists and she's second in minutes only to Gustafson. Uh, they're going to really need to replace her. And it's going to be, you know, interesting to see who they kind of bring in to replace her because the players that play, they're heavy rotation players and, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if one of their deeper bench pieces gets some, some more run this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if nothing else, if we can't uh, cheer on or if we're having a tough time cheering on our men's squad, we at least have women's hoops to look forward to. Yeah. And I'm just going to throw this stat out there because I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Gustafson is averaging a double double. She's averaging. Uh, oh, no, I, I lost points. She's uh where did where did it go? Oh, there it is. She's averaging twenty two points per game and twelve boards per game, but she's shooting seventy percent from the field. Unbelievable. Seventy point three percent of her field goal attempts, best in the Big Ten and third scene in the entire world. Um un- unbelievable. And I remember reading something about her. She she was on she's from a small town in Wisconsin, I believe. She was on yeah. her varsity boys team as an eighth grader. And I remember other coaches complaining that she was too physical. I remember reading other coaches playing that she complained that she was too physical in a varsity boys basketball game as an eighth grader. Just <laughs> you can't, can't make this stuff up. Um, pretty crazy. So I think that's, uh, this is a team we can, we can be, get, we'll become a women's basketball blog now. Yeah. I mean, uh, we should become a women's basketball blog. We should talk about nothing but women's basketball. Cause this team is legit. And w- if they can replace Tanaya Davis's production, they're going to continue to be legitimate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, we will. Uh, we will definitely be ramping up our coverage of women's basketball as the year turns. Um, right now, I think that's all we got for Iowa and the land of Iowa sports. Max, anything else you want to talk about? No, I think that we're good. All right. Well, um, stick with Blackheart Gold Pants. Uh, we will have a podcast to wrap up the Pinstripe Bowl next week. Other than that, uh, I am Ben Ross. That's Max Brecky. Rate, review, subscribe. Yeah, yeah. Um, Max, where can we find you on Twitter? Gospel of Max, Ben. I'm at, I'm at Renboss23. Um, that's it. <laughs>